inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, with you this afternoon. It is Thursday, the day after, the day after, and we still don't know who's going to win in Arizona. Well, I think I know. I, I, I think it's very clear that Kerry Lake is going to win the governor's race there. What we don't know for sure is whether Blake Masters will pull out that Senate race. Uh, pretty good shot. They're confident that he will. Uh, so let's just address some things right up front. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I'm always going to be brutally honest with you, audience. I'm always going to say when I'm wrong, going to say when I miss the mark. I was overly confident. If you go back and listen to Tuesday's show, I thought it was going to be a shellacking. I really thought the red wave was going to happen. I, I, I bought into a lot of the polls from the some of the people that I trust uh, that are usually right on the money with their polling, and they just weren't, and, you know, the red wave didn't happen. Now, uh, do I think it was, uh, you know, shenanigans and cheating and all that? I actually don't. I, I think there's some of that going on, but I don't think there's enough of that going on to have uh, created this red little uh, ripple that we got. But uh, so we can spend some time on that today. It's not really where I want to spend the time, but um, we'll probably get some calls on that. Uh, I do think Maricopa County, Arizona is a disaster. I think Harris County, Texas is a disaster. Uh, I think it's a ton of incompetence on the part of, you know, frankly, Democrats that can't, you know, run a, you know, one car, two car parade, let alone uh, a, an election where you have millions of votes coming in. And so they, they have completely, completely failed um, and should be thrown out of office just for that. But there's also the fact that Katie Hobbs is Secretary of State in Arizona. She's running these flawed elections where they are now saying that they hope to have 90 to 99 percent of the vote counted by Friday, by tomorrow, and that it will stretch into next week to complete it. That's in, that's ridiculous, folks. Ridiculous. Florida had more votes and was finished. Uh, third world countries do this faster. Uh, and, I, and I know you've already heard the joke, but I mean, I, I, we're pretty sure the reason Maricopa is taking so long uh, is because they flew in Fetterman from Pennsylvania to do the counting uh, by himself. It, it's that bad. It's that bad. It's absolutely ridiculous what they're what they're doing. But I, I, I don't think that's I don't think you can chalk up the entire night to that. I, I think we've got to step back. And here's where I was wrong. Here's where I missed it completely. I do this all the time. Because I'm an optimist, uh, and 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 I tend to focus on the positive. I admit that. I admit that. And I forgot what I normally tell everybody before an election, uh, at least in the last four or five you know years. Maybe actually probably the last ten or twelve years. Um, and that is, listen, and, and I should have listened to Mark Levin. I mean, that's, you know, uh, Mark Levin's kind of one of my political godfathers, if you will. I've only met him once. He wouldn't remember me, but I read everything the guy puts out. And I think he really is a brilliant, brilliant guy. Uh, uses books and, and my classes that I teach and, and all of that. Anyway, uh, he was, uh, he was, he was right on a week ago when he said, "Hey, you don't you don't call it a red wave until after it happens. You don't you don't you don't assume there's going to be a tsunami. 
you, you just you fight. You tell everybody get out to vote. You stay in the fight until seven o'clock, and then legally after that, uh, and then if it, the red wave comes, the red wave comes. And and I, and he said that a week ago. He was right. That was the attitude that we should have taken. But here's the part that I forgot that I normally emphasize. Uh, and, and, and this, I think, is very important for us. If you're listening to this program because you care about the culture, you care about America, you want to see biblical values restored, you want to see freedom restored, you want to see the principles of liberty once again poured into the culture and, and get all the good stuff out because we're putting good stuff in instead of garbage in, whereby we're getting garbage out. If, if that's you, then, then we have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to step back and not just look at how upset people are and how many millions of people have awakened and have gotten in the fight. That part's true, and that's what I've been so excited about. But I was so focused on that that, that I forgot to pull my, 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 my line of sight out of just this battle and look at the full landscape like, like a general would and look at the entire, entire war. And when you look at the entire war, here's what we have, for, we have to acknowledge. Okay, this is not to depress you. This is not to get you to not engage. This is to get you to double down and engage even more. The left wing, the leftists, the secularists, the people that hate you as a Christian, that hate the Bible, that, that, that hate our way of life, that hate America, the left wing controls every single cultural institution in America. They dominate the press like a stranglehold one-sided control of the press. They completely control entertainment and have for decades, and they've been pouring cultural Marxism into the minds of the children of America through even things like Disney, but certainly through the movies and television and everything else. They they completely control academia. And, and with 80% of the population still going through the public schools, they get nothing but left-wing indoctrination. And, and we're shocked that they turn around and vote for the tyranny that, that has controlled their lives for the last two years, that masked and jabbed and shut down and did all those things. We're shocked that they vote for that. Folks, they were educated to believe that was the right thing to do. The left controls the public employee unions. They control uh, all of the agencies, state and federal, pretty much. So even in, in red states, the left controls the, the apparatus within government. But certainly the federal agencies, the law enforcement agencies, Wall Street, the big companies, the nonprofits, I mean, I, I could go on and on, the military. So so I guess what I'm getting at is, folks, we should not be shocked or surprised that there wasn't a red wave. We should be shocked and surprised that we weren't obliterated. So they put the full court press on. They have normally been fighting these fights submersively. So like the, the, the craziness of the left has typically been much better marketed and and kind of slipped into everything. But for the last couple of years, thankfully, because they can't control themselves, because they're selfish and they have no self-control and they always go too far, they went too far. And they started bragging about the fact and campaigning on the fact that they think children should be, you know, cut up and mutilated, that they should be able to live in fantasy land. Uh, they, they, they've, they've actually pushed policies from the White House on down for men and boys to be in your daughter's locker room and take showers with your daughter at your local public school. They've actually pushed for the, your daughter's hard work as an athlete to be completely destroyed by some guy that wants to compete in the girls' athletics. They've pushed for open borders that's allowed 5.5 million people to come across the border illegally in just the last 
less than two years. So they've, they've gone too far, and that's why we were able to even compete at all. So even with all of their domination and all of these cultural institutions, and frankly, half the pulpit, they've got half the pulpit. So we've got, you know, about half the churches in America, I think, still have some common sense and still follow the Bible, but I'd say half probably don't. And so even with all of that, uh, we still were able to compete. We still took the house. We still had some great victories. Chris Smith, pro-life guy up in New Jersey, won re-election. Uh, one of my Patriot Academy grads, uh, Elias Coop Gonzalez, won a, a state rep race in West Virginia. This kid's only 20 years old. He's got an incredible head on his shoulders. He's going to be a great leader for West Virginia. Looks like Juan Siscomani is going to win that, that congressional race in, in Arizona. That's a big one. That's a flip from, from uh, Democrat to Republican, and he's one of my Patriot Academy grads, was governor of Patriot Academy 15 years ago. And um, looks like uh, Georgia is going to go to a, a runoff. All eyes on on Georgia, Alaska. Who knows what's going to happen there? Definitely be a Republican, but whether it we get rid of Murkowski or not, they got this horrific rank choice disaster voting system that they're doing there. Terrible idea. Do not let your state adopt this re, this this thing. It's horrible. Uh, Nevada looks good. Looks like uh, Governor Sisolak, t- a tyrannical, tyrant, awful, horrible governor there in Nevada. Looks like he's going to be defeated. Thank the good Lord. Looks like Laxalt's going to win that Senate seat there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good folks. Moms for Liberty's flipped their hundredth school board seat. Uh, I this one nobody else uh, listening probably cares, but my Dripping Springs school district tried to saddle us with a billion dollars in debt. We defeated all three bond issues that they had on the ballot. I did not expect that. I thought for sure, I mean, you know, I thought for sure they would win because everybody goes, it's for the children, and they go vote for all this ridiculous spending. Uh, but but, but we, we defeated it. I, I mean, so there's a lot of bright spots to look at, and for sure you got to focus on Florida. I mean, this is how you win. Ron DeSantis led courageously. He was willing to be dangerous, if you can see my shirt. Be dangerous. He was willing to not play it safe. Oh, I can't go against Disney. They're a big employer in the state. No, he took on Disney. He took on everyone that was against liberty. He took on the whole country and all the media with regard to the COVID fascism and said no. And because of Ron DeSantis, slowly Texas and other states began to open that wouldn't have opened without Ron DeSantis's leadership in Florida. And the people of Florida rewarded him. And it was such a landslide, such a tsunami in, in Florida that we won congressional seats People didn't think we could win. We won all over the place in Florida. And that was in four years, folks. In four years, he went from 30,000, I mean, vote victory, barely winning out of millions of votes, to winning by more than a million votes. Completely, completely changed Florida. Leadership matters. Bold leadership changes things. Bold leadership gets rewarded. If we had more governors like him, we would see more states becoming ultra-red states where you can actually live in freedom. So we need more like that. That's why I said on Tuesday, and I've said for a while, the Cary Lake race in Arizona is the most important race in the country. Why do I say that? Not just for Arizona, but because if she wins and she governs like she says she's going to, and I believe she will, she will restore federalism in Arizona and then it will trickle out to other states. Greg Abbott will be forced to to restore federalism in Texas. He's going to be sandwiched by Ron DeSantis in in, in Florida and Kerry Lake in, in Arizona, leading courageously and boldly. And it will it will courage is contagious. 
He will he will lead courageously on school choice like he's hinted at and said with his words he was going to do. Now let's see if his actions follow that. But I'm just telling you, if Carrie Lake wins in Arizona, which I believe she will, and she, she will do in Arizona what Ron DeSantis did in Florida, and you will see Arizona become not purple but super red over the next few years because of her leadership and others in Arizona. I'm not saying it's all her. I'm just saying that with that position of governor, you can do it just like Ron DeSantis did in Florida. And that will be uh, to the benefit of every living American. It will help push the whole country the right direction. So there's a lot of good, lot of good positive things to focus on from Tuesday night. You might have some comments or, or questions or, or insults about all of that. If you do, you can call into 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. But I want to remind us all what we're up against. This is a generational fight. We I said Tuesday you can't rest on your laurels. You can't, even if there was a red tsunami, we don't go to bed and say, okay, it's done. So I think actually in the long game, this might have been better for the movement because it keeps all of our people from doing what they typically do, which is you get a big victory and then go home and say, oh, forget, I can stop paying attention to this stuff. No, this is this should wake everybody up to realize they have every, the left has every institution. We have to scratch and claw to take those institutions back. And there's probably going to be some places in the country where you know, you, you got to decide for yourself. Do you stay and fight behind enemy lines, which we need people to do that. So if God's calling you to do that, do that. But he may be calling you to move to a more red area to make it more red and to help solidify that area. Maybe time for you to make a change. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I know this election makes it very clear that the lines are drawn. This nation is split down the middle. The left understands what's at stake. They are fighting tooth and nail to turn America into the socialist states. They are fighting tooth and nail to, to get this radical, left-wing, insane policy agenda passed and, 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 and ingrained in our culture. And a lot of it's already ingrained. That's why we're up against such difficult fights. And so this is why I, I cannot stress enough. Think long-term. Think strategically and think generationally. And let's take the victories that we had on Tuesday and let's build on them. Now is the time for you to start studying the Constitution, to start studying these things so that you can be prepared for the longer fight. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'd love to hear from you. 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You're listening to AFA at the Core. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As David prepared to face Goliath, Saul tried to outfit David with Saul's personal armor. But David didn't have Saul's armor when he faced the lion or the bear. And David recognized that he didn't need the armor to slay Goliath. Today, many Christians yield to the temptation to be hipper, cooler, even a little fuzzy on the clear teachings of Scripture in order to face the Goliaths of our day. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. We don't need a cool light show to be effective ambassadors for Christ. All we need is to offer what we have freely received. We know the transforming power of Christ because he has transformed us. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. It's the age-old struggle of younger siblings everywhere. Back-to-school season means trying to convince a new set of teachers that you are, in fact, just as great as your higher-achieving older sibling. Or worse yet, that you aren't your older sibling, that you have your own talents and abilities. If your girl struggles with living up to her sibling identity, affirm her in her irreplaceable God-given value. Luke's Gospel reminds her that God knows every hair on her head and that He values her as a unique creation. And if she's really struggling, resist the urge to swoop in. Instead, encourage her to advocate for herself when she isn't being valued. That's a skill even most adults haven't mastered. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, with you this afternoon. It's the day after the day after, and I don't know what you do after an election, but my after-election, post-election therapy is to go trim trees, cut brush. I don't know. There's something therapeutic about a chainsaw that uh, whether we have a big win or a big loss, uh, it just it just fits. I don't know. Anyway, I was doing that this morning and it got me uh, kind of cleared my head a little bit, allowed me to think a little bit more clearly and see the field. That's why I was saying in the last segment, you know, you, you, you have to remember what we're up against. Not to get depressed. I mean, this is very much when I list all those institutions that the left controls, it's basically like saying, you know, just like when the spies came back from the promised land, yes, there's giants in the land. Yes, there's there's fortified cities. But we still have the attitude of Joshua and Caleb, say God's given us the land, we stay in the fight. But how did God give us the land? Incrementally. So we can't expect this thing to change overnight. Not when we stayed out of the fight for 40, 50 years, and we let the left take over all these institutions. And by taking over all those institutions, now they've created cultural rot. You cannot put garbage in without getting garbage out. And if you look at the exit polling and the, and the level of, of just brainwashed young people in the country right now that voted for this nonsense and that, that, that literally said, I mean, think about Michigan. Think about living in a state where your governor became an absolute tyrannical nanny and would not let you leave your house, would not let you go buy seeds to plant in your garden. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer has to be the worst governor in Michigan history. 
and they re-elected her. Tudor Dixon was a great candidate. This was not, I, I know some of my friends in conservative media are saying it's all because of bad candidates. I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think you can blame what has happened on quote unquote bad candidates. I think Tudor Dixon was a fantastic candidate. She gave a master class when she would hold those press conferences, very much like Carrie Lake, honestly. And she would have been, boy, that would have been a game changer for Michigan. Um, I think it's the rot in the culture. It's the fact that you actually have people in America that want tyranny. They want government to solve all their problems. It's like Dennis Prager says, freedom is not something that you innately want. Slavery is far easier. It is much easier to have someone provide for you every day and just tell you, here's what you're going to do. That's an easier way to go. Freedom takes work. It's hard. And you have to live with the consequences of your decisions. That's why being an entrepreneur is hard. You you fail, you live with the consequence of that. You're the one that has to eat ramen noodles for however long until you can get back on your feet. I've been there. Uh, and, and, and and some people don't want that. They don't want freedom. They don't want to have to live with the consequences of their decision. So I, I don't think this blaming it on on bad candidates. I mean, we pro- we ha- I think Oz was a horrible candidate for Pennsylvania. I will go there. I think that's that one was Donald Trump's fault. Uh, you know, uh, Kathy Barnett should have been the nominee up there. If everybody had gotten behind her, race probably would have turned out uh, different. But all the other places, I mean, I think Mastriano was was it was a a good candidate, certainly solid senator and 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 great on the issues. Um, I, I I think you know you you, you had some. Uh, I mean, Herschel Walker's definitely got his flaws and problems, and and uh, might have been a, a little different there with a different candidate. But I'm not so sure. I'm telling you, there is a left wing domination in the Democrat Party right now that thinks Raphael Warnock is a good man that thinks having a pastor that worships abortion is okay, that it's actually good. And, and, and that's another area I'll say I was wrong. I thought the Democrats were foolish for doubling down on, on Roe v. Wade and making that such an important issue. I thought the nation had become more pro-life. I was wrong. There are people in this nation that worship Baal, that worship Moloch. Abortion, killing babies, is their God, and they will vote for an absolute uh, brain-damaged Senate candidate like Fetterman that's that's never done anything in his life, even before the stroke, which probably was caused by the jab. Uh, here's a guy that's a poster child for why everything they've done over the last two years is wrong, and there are people in Pennsylvania that worship Moloch so much that they would vote for this ogre that, that is not going to be capable of doing the job of sen- senator at all, all because they want to have abortion on demand. Not just on demand. Look at what California just did. They want to have abortion up to 30 days after the baby is born. This is evil, satanic stuff. It is worshiping Moloch, and we have to realize that there's a lot of people in this country that bow down to that God, that, that, that are part of that philosophy, and that takes time to overcome it may it may mean that at some point there's portions of this country that we say forget it we're, we're going to let Moloch have that part and, and we're going to shift our focus over to this area i'm not there yet and, I, and, and i'm i have good friends that are there i'm not I, I think right now there are good people in every state and every community that we have to go after 
and and that we have to educate. And that's why my goal is a, co- a constitution coach in every community in the country, every neighborhood in the country, that would be teaching biblical citizenship and teaching Constitution alive and restoring these principles. And then once we do that, and once we have someone all over the country in every community, fifty thousand constitution coaches before the next election's over, five million people through our constitution classes and biblical citizenship classes. Once we do that, and then we see what happens in the 2024 election, then we can decide if there are areas that we have to say, hey, we're encouraging you to get out of there and move to a better area. I'm not there yet. I think we have a chance at revival, and I think I think there are people that, that have been called to fight behind enemy lines, and so I encourage you to pray and, and figure out what God's wanting you to do. Uh, but all of that lead up to say, know the field, recognize the field, go cut some brush like I did this morning, fire up that chainsaw, get your head clear, and realize this is the battle that we're in. This is the war that we're in. It's a generational fight. Uh, we have we have giants in the land, and it's going to take time. It's going to take incrementalism, as God gave the children of Israel the promised land. If we're going to take America back, it's going to take incremental victories. And some of you may feel like that's too slow and it'll be too late and all that, but that's that's the way it works. Okay, let's go to the phones. By the way, if you want to call in, the phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And no just whining, okay, no whining and complaining. If you're going to call in and you got comments, questions, insults, you know, and you got a complaint, then have a solution too, all right? Here we go. Let's see. I uh, guess I should look at my uh, caller list here, I believe. Um, first up is Tanya, El Paso, Texas. Tanya, thanks for calling in from Texas. Go for it. Hi, Rick. Um, my comment is about, uh, actually what you were talking about with people staying out of the fight too long. Um, I looked at my sample ballot when I was getting ready to vote and noticed that there were 32 unopposed candidates on there. Wow. And in that section said unopposed candidates declared elected. Um, and three of those are state representative uh, positions yeah. for uh, districts 77, 78, and 79. And then a lot, almost all of the other ones were judges. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a mixed answer for you here, Tanya. Uh, I, 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 there are times when a race is, is, is so Republican or so Democrat that um, – there has to be a good reason to throw resources at it. And and it may not be and, – and sometimes, even when it's not winnable, it is worth putting a candidate on the ballot, make that other person campaign, uh, and also give a candidate an opportunity to basically advertise during the campaign the values of liberty. In, in other words, even if somebody runs and doesn't win, you're still winning hearts and minds throughout that campaign. You may not end up being the elected official that gets to go cast that vote at the Texas legislature, but all throughout that campaign, you're winning people over to truth. You're able to speak truth. You're able to combat the lies. So there, there is a benefit in running, even in a race that's statistically impossible to win. Um, but I totally understand You know, people have to pray about that and decide if that's what they're called to do or if there is someone that's called to do that. And judicial races, you're right. I mean, those are so hard. Um, it's it's. I, I definitely favor election of judges over appointment of judges. I want us to have that ability to choose. What you're seeing in the Texas 
judicial races statewide, the Democrats know they can't win statewide. And so they tend to not even field candidates. And so the fight is in the Republican primary. And if you win that Republican primary for those statewide judicial offices, we have two Supreme Courts in Texas, the Texas Supreme Court, which I've actually run for, um, which is all civil matters, the the high court in Texas, and then the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is all criminal matters, the high court in, in, in Texas. So that's 18 positions statewide. Um, and a lot of times those go unopposed. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put that ne- those races necessarily in the category of we're not willing to fight. Sometimes it's just it's just strategic. Um, but very good point that you even noticed that. And, Tanya, wasn't that weird that you got to the end? That was weird to me. That this was the first time I got to the end of the ballot, and it just says, here's all these people that are unopposed. Used to, you still saw them on the ballot, and you could either vote for them or not vote for them, even though they were the only one in the race. I, I prefer that. I wish we'd go back to that. I didn't even know that they had decided to do it this way, uh, so I thought that was weird. But anyway, Tanya, thanks for calling in from El Paso. And speaking of El Paso, I, I, I just, just got to point out that um, you know Robert Francis O'Rourke has run the trifecta, man. He has lost president, senate, and governor. I mean... I just I I'm proud of him. I think that's just goes to show you when you, when you threaten to take away our firearms in Texas, you're probably not going to win election statewide. Pro- pro- probably not going to happen because there's a whole lot of us that understand that the Second Amendment is the palladium. It's the protector of all our other liberties. And as soon as a candidate says we're going to take away any of your firearms that are quote unquote weapons of war. And their definition of that is that it's designed to tear up the human body. Um, can you think of a fire, a technical firearm, meaning anything that's an actual gun firing, even a twenty-two, to tear up the human body? Uh, so this guy's a complete, complete fool, and uh, nearly won the United States Senate race here in Texas before this. So that was before he said he was going to take our take our guns. I uh, was on the presidential trail that I'm sure he's going to run for president again because he just loves the limelight. Uh, but, man, I am so glad to see him have the trifecta and w- lose all three of those races. Okay, back to the phones. we got George in North Dakota. George, how you doing, sir? Comic question, insult. Go for I'm it. Good. I'm good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing I great. I am just calling, I'm calling about your comment about Christians hating uh, or Democrats hating Christians. I am a senior warden of our church. I pray every day. I attend services probably three times a month, if not more. And I'm on several different committees in our diocese, and I'm a Democrat. So how does that fit in with your idea that Democrats hate Christians? That's not true. Well, first of all, I didn't say Democrats. I said leftists. So there's there's not all Democrats are leftists, but virtually all leftists are Democrats. So uh, well, if you I'm go back and listen— but- Okay, well, if you're if you're if you're a an actual secular leftist, then then you hate the institution of the church because you you don't want morality in the culture and you don't want uh, uh, the church influence in the culture. So you're probably not a full blown secular leftist if you're going to church that often and and you actually believe the Bible and and read the Bible. I I, I can't ima- imagine that you're a secular leftist. You may you may think you okay. are based on one what one, is one particular. What is a Christian as you define it then? Because obviously I'm missing something. Okay, uh, Christian is someone. If a, if someone's a lot of people call themselves Christian, but if you're if you're actually a Christian based on a biblical definition and you're a Bible believing Christian, then you actually believe in the Great Commission and you believe that Jesus was God and and you believe that you're to do what He said, obey all that He has commanded, 
and therefore you don't take biblical commands as suggestions, but you actually take them as commands. And so you try to align your life with those teachings, and you try to influence the world around you to align with those teachings. So that includes marriage, that includes life, that includes taxes, that includes every issue that the Bible speaks to. So if you're if you're attempting to be a Bible-believing, Bible-living Christian, then I have a hard time believing you're a leftist. Well, I'm pretty far left. I mean, what is so, your definition of a leftist? Okay, so are you for abortion on demand? There is no abortion on demand. I'm for abortion, but not so much killing babies. I am for abortion uh, for the sake of the mother. Okay, if so is there an abortion is that, for example? Let, let me ask you a question. Is there an abortion that doesn't kill a baby? I didn't, I've never heard of that kind of abortion. There you said you're not for killing babies, but you're for abortion. Legal abortions that kill women. No, no, abortion you isn't said, about killing babies. I know, but I'm trying you to see, clarify what you're explain. for. You said you're for abortion, but you're not for killing babies. There's no such no, thing as an abortion I that doesn't kill a baby. I am for the woman's right to choose so that if she's raped, if she contracts some disease in her pregnancy, her and her family have the right to make that terrible choice to either undergo treatment or abort the pregnancy. So if a if, mother finds out if that a her mother chooses has been to raped, kill her baby, you're okay with that. Nobody I, I would is say okay that's with a, killing a baby, even a mother. Okay, but who you've got a conflict. Nobody right, makes, but do, do you see your conflict of, of values here? On one hand, you, you I, I'm all for taking care of the mother and, and doing everything we can for the mother. But if the mother's choice includes killing a baby, and you said you don't want to kill a baby. You have a conflict of, of, of rights here and a conflict of values, and what you're saying is you choose the mother's rights over the baby's rights. And if and if that's your yes, position, the mother's that's right a, to choose. So that's and an that anti-biblical a biblical, a biblical perspective. No, that's not no, that's anti-biblical. An anti, you're you're taking the baby's life. You're allowing parents to kill the baby, which is which is a, is what Moloch and Baal wanted, not what Christ wanted. So you're no, it's an anti-biblical position. That's not exactly the way it works. Also, where do we get this uh, abortion three months after birth? Now, having worked in the medical field as long as I have, uh, we have a medical term for post-term abortions. That's called murder. Even yeah, if you nobody... can find a non-existent woman who wanted a post-term abortion, you're never going to find a non-existent doctor who would perform such George, an abortion. Uh, it's a law that was just passed in California up to 30 days after birth. So that, that's what I'm talking about here. And maybe... Hopefully not in your state. I, I pray it's not in any other state. Uh, but y y you may not be experiencing that happening in your hospital, but it is now the law of the land in California. And it's evil, and it's satanic. And, and, and uh, you know, you can't show me a scripture that says killing a baby in, in order to, to make the mother feel better or in order for her to not go through an emotional experience is biblical. It's not. It's just absolutely not. And uh, anyway, so I got to take a quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to AFA at the Core. The phone number is 888-589-8840. 
Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at afa.net slash connect. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hey, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. Do you know for the last two years, Southwest Louisiana has faced multiple storms, including Hurricanes Laura, Delta, and Zeta. 8 Days of Hope sent our rapid response teams to help in these areas after Hurricane Laura hit Lake Charles and again after the flooding in 2021. Well, today we're excited to announce that our 18th rebuilding trip will take place in Lake Charles from December 3rd through December 10th. Thousands of volunteers will gather from around the country to love and serve this community by helping them repair their homes that were affected by these disasters. We're going to focus on roofing and drywall, painting, electrical work, flooring, and so much more. We can't wait to see what God is going to do. So there's a couple ways you can help with this mission. First, pray. Pray that God will speak through our actions to each family and make himself known. Second, consider volunteering. It's free, and we provide the food and the lodging. Hey, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, read the FAQs, and you can volunteer right there. Again, that's 8daysofhope.com. Not perfectly good. This is Ken Ham, a missionary to our evolutionized culture, even to the church. This week, we've been asking, can we be good without God? Now, people can do the right thing without believing in God, but it's inconsistent. You see, in their worldview, there's no absolute standard for morality. Now, while people can be good in the eyes of other humans, we can't be good by God's definition. God's standard for goodness is himself, and he's perfectly good and perfectly holy. His standard is perfection, but we all fall short of that standard. Consider the Ten Commandments. Have you ever told a lie, stolen anything, taken God's name in vain? We've all broken God's law and therefore deserve death. There's hope. More tomorrow. Find resources to equip and encourage you in your faith when you go to AnswersRadio.com and subscribe to enjoy free daily email insights from Ken when you go to AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach with you this afternoon. Thanks for tuning in. It's the day after the day after of the 2022 elections that we all thought was going to be a red tsunami, a red wave. I say all. Some of you may be much smarter than me and and, uh, thought that it was just going to be a red ripple. Um, But, man... Uh, it did become actually, um, you know, a good night, right? It's just expectations. <laughs> if you're expecting, if you're expecting a really good chocolate cake with some peanut butter and all the good stuff, and they bring out coconut instead, you know, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. So anyway, I think we have to focus on the positive and uh, emphasize that, you know, with all of those headwinds, all those institutions taken by the left that we were talking about earlier, with all of the 
disapproval of the president and everything else and 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 the victories that we got were all that we got i think you have to also question some of the strategic decisions of uh the folks that were spending the hundreds of millions of dollars and and so i say that to say i don't know that kevin mccarthy is going to be speaker of the house i think there's a lot of folks that are saying you know what no, i don't i don't think we reward the results of this election uh there's probably some other more conservative members of the house uh, people are talking about my congressman chip roy as a potential candidate for speaker of the house uh, jim jordan some others you know i honestly i would like to see a newt gingrich type a really strong bold courageous uh, not play it safe. Kevin McCarthy, I'm afraid, has the potential of being another Paul Ryan and play it safe. I could be wrong about that. I don't know Kevin. I've never met him. So, but I just that's kind of my sense from what I've I've seen. So we're going to see what what shakes out with all of that. Uh, in the meantime, let's go back to the phones. We got and and, and actually before I go back to the phones, um, I, you know I appreciate George calling in uh, because I don't know if he realizes this, but he made my point for me with regard to how much rot is in the culture and how much leftist mentality has taken over the nation, including the church. So here's a guy that listens to this program and 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 goes to church and prays and all that stuff that he was talking about, and he still thinks it's okay to kill babies if that's the mother's choice. I mean, that's how poisoned our minds are as a nation. That's how poisoned we are. We don't know biblical values. We don't understand thou shalt not murder. We don't understand uh, the, 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 the basic tenets of the Christian faith anymore. And so we think it's that we think, I guarantee you, if we had had an hour to talk to George, most people that think like he thinks also would say that love means you encourage and celebrate whatever anybody wants to do. That's not biblical. Show me, show me where that's biblical. He probably thinks that, that judge not lest you be judged means you never judge. That's not what that means. We're actually supposed to judge. We're supposed to be discerning. We're supposed to make moral decisions. We're supposed to support good, and we're supposed to not support evil. And yet we flipped all that on, on its head because of our lousy biblical worldview these days, which is why you should take biblical citizenship in modern America. You can get it for free at patriotacademy.com and host a class for free. Uh, and I promise you, you'll have a lot of folks that will have a lot of aha moments. I hope George will consider taking that class. Let's go to Vincent in Arkansas. Go Hogs, go. And congratulations to Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Go ahead, Vincent. I hear you. I hear you moving around, but I don't hear you talking. All right, Vincent, you put your phone in your pocket and forgot that you had called in. We lost you. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's see. I can't. I don't have a note, guys, on the next one. Can you tell me who's who's next up? All right. We got another Arkansas call. James is calling from Arkansas. Go ahead, James. Yes, sir. I'm just calling you, Rick, about Amendment 3 in Arkansas. The last I had seen that, that uh, they hadn't called it yet, but I've been busy. And if you really read that thing, it's got exceptions in it where the, if the government decides that the church is dangerous to, to the society, that they can stop people from having church. And I hadn't heard many people speak out against that yet. I, you know, honestly, I did not look at those amendments in Arkansas. This may be one of the ones that 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 really surprised me. Um, so there were several. Correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, there were several that were essentially taking the power to shut down for a pandemic or anything from the governor, 
and giving it to the legislature, which is which is where it should have been. Um, and and these the, these ballot initiatives failed. And I think it, they failed because it looked like when you read it that you're giving a new power to the legislature rather than shifting that decision making from the governor to the legislature so that it's not one person making these disastrous shutdown decisions. And by the way, your your current governor did a horrible job during COVID. He was awful during COVID and did not follow the science, but did all that. He was almost as bad as Newsom, not quite, but close. Um, and that's that's why that uh, was on the ballot, I think. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're still with me, but I, I have not read. Yeah, I'm still with you. Yeah, I haven't read the initiative. Is that the one? Does that sound like it could be that yeah, one? Yeah, I know uh, Amendment 3, we, uh, as a Christian man, I don't believe the government should, no government should be shutting the church down. Even the gates of hell can't stand against the church of Jesus Christ. And I just, I feel like any anything that involves the government, you know, they holler separation of church and state, but they want to pass anything saying that we can't have church. I just can't agree with that. Well, I I agree I agree with you. I think I think all of the shutdowns across the country were were ridiculous, and especially any church that that stayed shut down more than a month. I I I was willing to forgive pastors for about two weeks, and then at a month I was like, okay, if you can't tell at this point that this thing is manageable and that you should be meeting for those that want to meet and that the church is essential. And if you stay shut down, you are telling the community that you're not essential. Uh, so I agree with you. It was ridiculous. Uh, the government should not have had the power to do that. Um, now, I will say there is there is a proper function of government. There's a compelling interest for government when the the uh, the death rate is so high. If you got a fifty percent case fatality rate, like an Ebola, and and just to put that in perspective, COVID's case fatality rate is one tenth of one percent. One tenth of one percent. Ridiculous what we did for COVID. Spanish flu was two point five percent, so twenty five times worse than COVID. Ebola would be five hundred times worse than uh than COVID. So if you did have an Ebola outbreak um and people are dropping left and right, there is at some point a proper function of government to say we got to get this under control. And if your particular church has a real bad outbreak and is spreading, that's where most people under the constitution would say uh you've got a constitutional uh, jurisdictional issue here where government has a compelling interest. They don't shut all churches down, but they go after the church where the outbreak is and say we got to clean this up and, and and get rid of it. I think that's what they were after with this amendment uh and saying that they don't want the governor to be able to decide that but the legislature. But I could be wrong. I I I wasn't following this one in Arkansas and uh I, I agree with your gut you know you know gut reaction, knee jerk, you know, not knee jerk uh, uh instinct. Your your gut instinct. Um, that government should stay out of that, and it should be the pastor's decision and the people at the local church. But there are radical extreme situations that have frankly never happened uh, in our lifetime. Uh, you could go back to uh, you know yellow fever maybe in Philadelphia. That gets kind of close. Um, but anyway, there's a potential there that I think that's what they were they were looking at. Okay, uh, let's see. We've got Lynn in Victoria. Lynn, go ahead. I hear you. I, I got you, Lynn. Go ahead. Oh, um, hi, Rick. Actually, I met you yesterday in Yoakum, Texas. Oh, yeah. Thanks I, for coming out. Yes. And, I and just thanks for listening. You, yes. I just want to tell you, I think 
where you spoke to the young people after the, you know, the young man gave his essay, when you spoke to those young people, I think that was the most inspirational, educational talk I've ever heard. And I was thinking when I left that that was probably 20 minutes of the most truth that those high schoolers will have heard probably their whole high school years. It was just, it was just phenomenal. Your, your message to them afterwards. But also I wanted to say, I'm not so sure that there wasn't a red wave. I watched something that was sent to me today and it was Mike Lindell talking and he was showing the voting machine algorithms uh, up in between the Walker uh, Warnock race and how there were all these, uh, all these uh, vote drops in showing how the vote was actually being manipulated. And he was showing in real time, well, it was real time as he was showing it the other night, but he was showing and we got to see, I got to see that with my own eyes. What do you think about that? I mean, I, and Lindell is, you know, researching, investigating that so much. What do you think of that? I don't know what to think, to be honest. I, I was on a show with Mike last night, actually. I was with him for about 30 minutes on uh, on Flashpoint, and um, you know, and he was talking about some of the some of the things they're dealing with in Maricopa County and some of these other states. And I love Mike, and I think he's doing really, really good work, and he's uncovering a lot of this. And so, I, you know, there, I'm sure there are still people trying to manipulate those machines, and 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 it just shouldn't exist. Like we should not even have this conversation. It shouldn't even be an option or on the table. For, for there to be a possibility of people to do what they're doing. And and just the fact that these these governors and these legislators still want to hold on to Dominion and these these, you know, electronic voting systems that nobody trusts anymore uh, makes no sense to me. No sense to me at all. It is easy to go back to paper ballots and make it where we can all trust what the outcome in the election is. And so I hope Mike keeps the pressure up. I think it's very possible that what you're saying is exactly what what happened there. Um, I really believe that's what happened in, in 2020 in Georgia um, and, and certainly in Fulton County. I mean, there's there's a reason that they sent everybody home and didn't want them watching what they were doing in the middle of the night. I think there were problems in the runoff, uh, in, you know, two years ago. And so I think it's possible that that still happened there. Um, I think they cleaned up a lot of it. They made it harder for it to happen, but I wasn't in, intimately involved with how they did it. It should be very simple. Paper ballots, you hand count. And you could still have every election decided and, and announced, you know, by midnight uh, of election night, even if you did hand counts. If you, you know, you've got to pay people to come in and do it, but it'd still be cheaper than all these machines. So I love Mike Lindell and uh, and I love what he's doing. I don't know whether or not that would be what what caused the situation in in Georgia. But, Lynn, I, I was so good to meet you yesterday. And, and I I love doing what we did yesterday. There was about 14 high schools uh, represented there, a bunch of seniors. They had a fantastic contest where they were um, – it's it's a Republican women's group in uh, Yoakum that puts this on. And they actually have the kids compete with essays on constitutional issues. And the issue this year was Fourth Amendment and whether or not unreasonable searches and seizures – um, and these warrant, you know, these warrants where they're going in and searching homes with this general warrant, which the founders would have called a writ of assistance. Um, I, I love the fact that these kids were exposed to those kind of ideas, and the kid that won the contest. Uh, read his essay. It was fantastic. And then I spoke for a little while. And as Lynn's saying, I, I basically defended the American value system and the American Constitution and, and, and told these kids, you know, nobody's ever probably told you the truth about America. You've been lied to and told America's evil and awful. And if we're so bad, then why do we have one out of every five immigrants on the planet living in this country? 
Why are they trying so hard to come to America? No, it's called the American dream. There's a reason everybody wants to come here. You never heard of the North Korean dream because nobody's digging tunnels to get into North Korea. Nobody wants to live that lifestyle. The American value system is the best the world has ever known. We've been the most powerful, the most free, the wealthiest, the most benevolent nation in history. We've been the greatest national force for good that the planet has ever known. And, and, and for these schools to continue to teach that America's evil, that we invented slavery, which is ridiculous, that's a, an insane concept, uh, to lie about and act like we're a, a systemically racist nation and that, and that we had to be dragged kicking and screaming across the finish line to end slavery when we were the first nation in the world to ban the slave trade and then the fourth nation to ban slavery completely after a war and 600,000 casualties. It's, it's, a, it, it's criminal that we don't teach those things to our kids, but instead teach them that they should judge each other based on the color of their skin. And that if you have, you know, a particular color of skin, that you are a victim and there's no way for you to overcome that victimhood. And if you have another particular color of skin, you're an oppressor no matter what. That is evil, wrong, awful stuff. And it's the poison of cultural Marxism taught under the banner of critical race theory. And it's being done all over this nation. And it's, again, just like the caller that called in that thinks he's living out a biblical worldview when he's supporting the killing of babies. Uh, this critical race theory being taught to these kids all across the country. Uh, you, you combine all of this, and that is what we're up against. That is why there wasn't a red wave, because there is rot in the culture, and that takes time to overcome. And we come right back to what I've said all along and will continue to say. The real problem, all these other things are symptoms, the real problem is biblical and civic ignorance. And we have to overcome that biblical and civic ignorance with biblical and civic literacy. And that requires hard work. That means we have to step in and do the job that the education system used to do. We have to be willing to start schools in our churches. We have to be willing to get our kids out of these public schools and homeschool or start that private school at our church or whatever outlet for you makes sense. We've got to start doing the heavy lifting. And we've got to start teaching them ourselves and teaching our kids these things. And that's why I stress biblical citizenship in modern America. If you haven't taken that class, get on patriotacademy.com today or go to biblicalcitizens.com today and for free sign up as a coach and for free host that class in your living room. Host it at your church. But now the the, the, the battle's over. The season's over. It's an off season now. And it's time to go back to spring training, which is why you need to keep listening to American Family Radio. We're going to teach these things, inspire, equip, and give you the ability to go out in your community and be the catalyst for a restoration of these values. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. I sure appreciate you listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.